Today's reading is Luke 9, 1 through 3. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King's Quest students, first through fifth grade, you can head to the lobby, find your teachers, and the rest of you may be seated. Thank you. Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. So I realize um, in my preaching as I've gone back and listened, which is like the most difficult thing, every single time I get on stage, I say the same thing. I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. And I don't want that to turn into background noise, but honestly, I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. So, So here's the deal. In 1913, a group of people in Long Beach started a church. And one of the things that they believed to the core of who they were is that Long Beach needs Jesus. This church became Grace Brethren Long Beach, what you are now knowing as Grace Long Beach, the church in whose sanctuary you are sitting today. And for over 110 years, one thing has remained consistent. We know that Long Beach needs Jesus. Let's go, Gray. All right. It's a new day. So uh, I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna try to do two things here today. One, we are continuing our sermon series in the book of Luke. We're looking at very timely passages on Jesus sending out his 12 disciples to partner with him on mission and feeding the 5,000. So that's one thing that we're doing. The other thing that we're doing is today is the soft launch of our year-long asset-based community development assessment. All right, one person, one person. <laughs> I got a lot to talk about, so you guys can't clap anymore. Um, just kidding. So, so it's going to be sermon, announcements, uh, and, and lots of things in between. So I'm going to try to go quick so I can include everything. And at parts, I'm going to slow down so that I can hopefully, prayerfully remember the details. Um, I'm a lot better at big picture. So before I start this, would you please, please, please pray with me because uh, we need the help of Jesus today. Jesus, you, you are here with us. Remind us of that. You brought us here this morning. Some of us you've brought here for weeks or months or years or decades. And you have been good the entire time. Jesus, I can't help but be struck by the prayers of people who prayed over 110 years ago that there would be a group of people who know that Long Beach needs you. I thank you for the ways you've been faithful to their prayers. And so now, Lord, hear our prayer 
we want to love our city well. We want to partner with you on mission. Would you bless us so that others would be blessed? We pray all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's pick up. We're in the book of Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Remember when we were in chapter 1 for like, it felt like three months, and now we're already in chapter 9, speeding right along. Book of Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1. If you have the blue Bible that's underneath your seat, it's going to be on page 866. This is what the word of the Lord says to us. When Jesus had called the 12 together, those are his 12 disciples, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Let's pause there. Notice what Jesus gives to his disciples. He gives them authority to do a set of certain things, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to to teach and preach and proclaim about his kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, here's the thing. We have no record that the disciples were sick. We have no record that the disciples were being possessed or oppressed by demons. They seem to have an understanding of this kingdom about which they preached and proclaimed. So here's the deal, church. When we're partnering with Jesus on mission, one thing that we have to keep in mind, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the people that Jesus is sending us to. Now, this is one of those things that like, you know, the preacher says it and he's like, yeah, 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 that's good. That's a great reminder, yeah. And then something happens to like your preference, to the thing you really like. And I'm like, okay, I know it's not about me, but like, I really like this thing. This feels really comfortable for me. But if we remember, it's not about us. It's about the people that Jesus is sending us to. Then implied in that is it's going to cost something. It's going to challenge something. This is silly, but one of the ways that I think about it, at our house, we've um, inherited my in-law's table, which is like probably kitchen table, so it's probably older than me. My wife grew up doing homework on it, and it's one of those like round tables that you can pull apart, and then the leaf comes out. Okay, that leaf is not for us. Our family sits around the table. We fit. That leaf in our table extends our table so that when guests come, there's space for them. If I was of a different generation, perhaps, I would have a china cabinet. We don't. But growing up, I didn't get to use those plates. They weren't for me. They were for when extended family and friends and guests came over. There was a special purpose for them. When we go to my in-laws, my my boys don't get to use the fine china, right? That's not for them. And so I think this is something that as we're engaging in this process of of, um, continually being called more outward focus, we have to realize that to a large extent, it's not about us. Now, what does this mean for us, Grace Long Beach, today? 
So here's a few things that we're doing to try to move a bit more outward focus. And some of these are gonna seem um, small, but they're intentional, okay? Let's start with this. I'm not wearing a collar. Audible gap. My shirt doesn't have buttons. For some people, this may feel like a challenge. For some of us, we're used to seeing the preacher in like the button-up, dressed sharp, pleated khakis. If you've gone to church for a long time, that feels really familiar. If you haven't gone to church, and it's one of your first times coming back, I've had friends who've communicated this to me, it's really intimidating. I've had friends that we've invited to church joke, maybe some of you have heard these jokes, like I can't go to church, I'll be struck by lightning. Obviously not true. But what's being communicated? I don't feel like I fit there. This is a beautiful building. It doesn't look like many other spaces in our community. So we realize that it's one, a big ask for people who don't follow Jesus to come to church. Two, we're inviting them to a space that looks unfamiliar and feels like every movie they've ever seen about church with beautiful giant stained glass windows. Three, we, create, we can create another obstacle just by small things like how we dress, how we talk. Our preaching team has tried to be really intentional in just adding extra lines. Jesus is meeting the Jews. Jews uh, sorry, Jesus is meeting the Gentiles. Gentiles are just people who are not ethnically Jewish. If you didn't grow up in church, you're like, what the heck is a Gentile? We say things, this was one for me. I didn't grow up in church, right? And so I would hear preachers and they say, we all know the song. Remember Father Abraham? And I'm like, we don't all know that song. I have no idea what song you're talking about. So even small things in our language can communicate whether we're a closed group or an open group. You may have noticed we have a new logo. You may have noticed even our Church Center app recently has started to look different. We're beginning this brand refresh, this rollout of a new look for grace. And one of the core components of this is this, this phrase, unshakable hope. How did we get there? If you've been around Grace Long Beach for a while, you may like, unshakable hope, really? Let's think about it this way. Number one, it's not for us. This isn't so that like we go to our website and we're like, oh, this looks great. No, 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 no. We've done the research. We realize one of the main ways post-COVID people start attending new churches is they look online. Our online presence matters. Does this mean we're trying to do some like sleazy marketing scheme to like lure people here? No, 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 no. This means we take the Great Commission seriously. This means we understand that Jesus has called us to partner with him in mission, and mission also extends to the internet and social media. Those can also be mission fields, like the beards in Vietnam, displaying the gospel in a different context. We can do the same thing with Instagram. So for a people who, let's just take the last 15 years, have stayed after a painful split, have stayed after a difficult leadership transition, have stayed through contentious times like COVID and race relations and difficult elections, 
The phrase unshakable hope may not feel familiar, but what better way to describe a people who are so focused on Jesus that they will stay through a decade and a half of relational turmoil? As I've gotten to know you guys, you know what I see time and time again, a people who are resolved to find hope in Jesus, a people who are resolved to stay when things get hard, a people who have kept their eyes focused on Jesus while they grieve and lament and mourn death and loss and all kinds of things that have happened here. Church, if nothing else, we have an answer for our city when times get hard. It's Jesus. You don't even barely have to say anything. Just tell them your story. You have stayed, you have displayed unshakable hope in who Jesus is. This is how people who don't know Jesus begin to start following him. My life is falling apart. Where do I go? My neighbor who always smiles and waves when he brings out the trash can, right? These relationships that you've been starting, these relationships that you've been nurturing for year after year after year, you continue to display unshakable hope in Jesus and God will open a door. God will give you that nudge to start the conversation, to say the awkward thing, to ask the awkward question, to invite them to church, and here we are, a place where we point people to where we can find unshakable hope in Jesus Christ. I thought you would clap, though. It's all right. It's all right. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. Just kidding. What else do we have? We have T-shirts. Those are going to be for sale um, in the, in the uh, lobby after service. Uh, in addition to that, um, out of the kindness of Laura's heart, she has created stickers with our new logo. So um, this is a great way to get this new look out and into the community. Here's my challenge for you. Um, if you know you don't drive like Jesus, please don't put this on your car. <laughs> uh, but if you do drive like Jesus, then please put this on your car. Um, Put it on your cell phone, but make sure what you're doing on your cell phone is also glorifying to Jesus, the ways you're commenting. Oh, it got really quiet for that one. <laughs> uh, we have stickers in the bulletin, um, and, and this will continue to roll out. You may have seen the new logo on either side of the walls in the lobby. Another little thing that we did, I love that we have our resource walls out there full of incredible books. Um, a few months ago, we did kind of a revamp um, and thought about, okay, if it's my first time walking in and I see all these great books, which one is for me? I don't know. So we did simple things like, oh, if we're framing a lot of things off of story formation mission, let's have a row, a row of books that help people engage God's story, that help people understand how to be formed more into the image of Jesus, that help people understand how to partner with him on mission. And we thought like, okay, so story formation mission, that's the easy side. The other side, like, what do we do with this? Okay, if I'm a new person, probably a good row would be new to faith. If I haven't walked with Jesus for 40 years, where do I start? So we have a row for that. Um, I don't know about you guys, but for most of us, uh, family is not always easy. If you're somebody who's married, marriage is not always easy. And so we thought that's probably a valuable resource. So we have a, a marriage and family row. And one of the things that we wanna make sure everyone is doing is thinking about how do we incorporate our faith into the culture in which God has sent us. So we have a row on gospel and culture. Simple, it's simple, but we want it to be clear so that when new people come in, they understand it. 
even better when you invite your friends and it's their first time here, now you understand what it is and you can explain it to them, even better than us explaining it, right? Okay, so those are just some of the things. It's not about us. It's about the people that Jesus has sent us to. Let's keep going. Chapter nine, starting verse seven. Now Herod, he was a political and religious ruler at the time. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all about heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Now, notice what's happened in this text. We start with Jesus sending out his 12 disciples to partner with him in mission, They're doing all these, they're healing, they're casting out demons, they're teaching about the kingdom, they're doing all these things. Word spreads about the 12 doing the things and Herod's response is, well, who is Peter? Who is John? No, 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 no. That's not his response. The 12 are the ones doing the things and Herod says, who is Jesus? You guys following with me here? It should be the same with us. Grace Long Beach has started doing new things. Grace Long Beach has started engaging the community in new ways. Grace Long Beach has completed the 12-month ABCD process. Whatever the things that we're gonna do, the question should not be, who is Grace Long Beach? The question should be, what is Jesus doing? So as we go out, we should be embodying our faith in a way that makes people ask the question, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that would call people to open up their homes to love families through foster care, through um, kinship placements, possibly through adoption, prayerfully through family reunification? What kind of person would open up their homes, open up their lives, invest in children, form attachments and bonding, knowing that their primary goal is that they would be reunified with their birth families? Could you imagine that pain? Yeah, have you ever heard the story of Jesus who laid his life down so that others may live? As we're going out, we should not only be doing the things of Jesus, but we should be doing these things in the way of Jesus. So the marketing matters, the branding matters, not so that we build a name for ourselves, so that the name of Jesus is magnified and glorified. We can do all the flashy things. It's not about the flashy things. It's about Jesus. It's about opening up opportunities for us to not only talk about who Jesus is, but to show who Jesus is. So my hope is that in these things, everyone gets a little bit uncomfortable. Right? If you're like lean a certain way and you start hearing about like all this community stuff and your, this justice stuff, I hope you get a little scared. Like, are we moving towards like kind of social justice, like buzzwords, like, oh no, like this justice? Yes, be scared. We're getting our hands dirty. Not for a political reason, not because it's a cultural buzzword right now, but because Jesus calls us to love our neighbor in tangible way. On the other side, If you're one of these people who's so sick and tired of thoughts and prayers and you just want to see action, guess what? We're going to slow down and pray because we can do nothing apart from the Spirit. 
If that sounds too conservative and fundamentalist to you, I don't know what to tell you. This is what Jesus calls us to. Now that I've made everyone in the room uncomfortable, here's the deal. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And if we're not being challenged, then it's probably not really about Jesus. It's more about us. So everyone should feel excited and encouraged. And everyone should feel challenged and convicted because that's what Jesus does. He's already at work in us. There is things that he affirms. There is still sin inside us, and he challenges that sin because he loves us. So as we go out, we're gonna do the work. We're gonna pray. We're gonna evangelize. We're gonna tell people that Jesus is their only hope. And it's not gonna be in a flippant way. It's gonna be in a deep way. We're not gonna twist your arms to go like, you know, hand out the tracks or any of those old ways that people are like, oh, I don't wanna do that anymore. But what we want to do is paint a compelling picture of who Jesus is, not only with our words, but with our actions as a church as well. Amen? Amen. All right. Moving right along, pick up with me in verse 10. Jesus feeds the 5,000. When the apostles, who had just been sent out on mission, returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took with him, Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So think about some of the things that are highlighted here. Yes, they're speaking about the kingdom. Yes, there's healing. There's also concerns about food. And we're not talking like life or death, like starvation, right? Like the the infomercials of like for, for a cup of coffee a day, right? People who were just hungry. They just hadn't eaten in a while. Jesus cares about that too. Where are they gonna sleep? There's no lodging. Where are these people gonna sleep tonight? Jesus cares that people have a safe place to sleep. Jesus cares about that. What do we have to offer them? Jesus cares about what we bring to the table. What do we have around? We have a few pieces of bread. We have some fish. It doesn't feel like it's enough. Look at the need, Jesus. Look at the 5,000. All we have is a few pieces of bread and a few fish. Look at the culture around us, Jesus. Do you know our history? Do you know how challenging it is, Jesus, to do ministry in Long Beach? Do you understand what the cultural climate is here? Jesus says, what do you have? You give them something to eat. Not the fancy church down the street, although there's nothing wrong with that. Not the government program, although there's nothing wrong with that. Not the other people, not the activists, although there's nothing wrong with those things. You give them something to eat. Not your pastors, 
you. You feed them. And now Jesus, who is like raised people from the dead and walked on water, and he's about to multiply the few like snacks that they bring to the table, right? Like Jesus, who does all of these incredible, incredible things, has them sit down in groups of 50. It's easier that way. Jesus also cares about the way things are organized and managed and structured. One of the values here that we talk about is Christ in all of life. Christ in food distribution. Christ in Excel spreadsheets. Christ in all of these ways. We see all of these different ways that Jesus is displaying his kingdom. All of these different things that he cares about. Are people well fed? Do they have a safe place to sleep? Is there a way to structure them that makes sense so that we can organize this food in in a more efficient manner? Christ in all of life. And so church, for a long time, you guys, um, I mean, going back years, talked to Nancy Moore about what is the best way for us to to re-engage here. And one of the things that kept coming up is Grace has a long history of loving the city. And that was something that resonated all the way back, right? Remember at the founding, Long Beach needs Jesus. And so this has been what we've been working toward. This honestly was one of the reasons that I was interested in this job. I remember the language. It was um, the church is looking for a pastor that can help it love the city better. Beautiful. I wish more churches were asking that question. How can we love our city well? What can we do? And so a year ago, we started this asset-based community development assessment, ABCD. For short, we started this process and lots of you stepped up. You stepped up and you came out to the training that our our friends at Danley's put on um, from Phoenix. They came out and you guys listened and you learned and you asked questions. You stepped up in simple ways and and you went and you ate delicious Mexican food at Las Quinta and you had coffee at Wrigley Coffee and you started taking meetings there. And now it's fun because I'll go like to do sermon prep work and I'll run into some of you guys just in the community, hanging out. Because you realize part of Christ in all of life is it's actually important where you spend your money. And if we want to see this community flourish, one of the simple ways we can do that is spend dollars there. You went out of your way to go to Buono's on Willow. You went out of your way to make yourself present. You did prayer walks. You prayed for the community with us. And some of you did prayer walks on your own. And we, we, we realized we had to organize. And so um, Ryan helped us create a map. And so we have a map of some of the assets that we discovered in Wrigley. It's in the lobby. You can see it on your way out. And we got interviews done where you guys met small business owners, you met neighbors, you met teachers, you met, um, who else did you meet? Uh, City council members, you met all different kinds of people and you asked them questions. What do you love about your city or your neighborhood? What are some of the strengths and the values? What are the assets in Wrigley? And in that, what we realize is there are a lot of assets and there's some needs. And so how do we move forward with this? And thankfully, we have an incredibly brilliant data and discernment team, and they helped us, Natter and Keith helped lead us through this discernment process where we prayed, and and this is, um, you gotta give credit where credit's due. This was Natter's idea. So what we want to do, what we, our aim was to discover the assets of Wrigley. In these conversations, we realized that there are also some needs in Wrigley. But that's not the whole story because God is calling a particular people there, us. 
So what assets do we bring to the table? And then next slide, the sweet spot. Okay, side note, remember when the best I could do was like the stick figures? This is, I'm stepping my game up, right? Like this is pretty incredible. I added a, an arrow of a different color. So the sweet spot is where we sense God leading us forward. We can't do everything. We can't do all of it, but we can do some things. So what are those some things that we feel like God is leading us forward to? Go for it, next slide. The first issue, this was one of the top words that was mentioned. It was repeated over and over and over and over by people who know and love Wrigley well is there is a dramatic increase in homelessness. Now here's the good news. God is good and he is faithful. This is not new. We've had a long partnership with Long Beach Rescue Mission. We've had a long partnership with Precious Lambs, which is a preschool that serves young children that are unhoused, that are experiencing homelessness. And so we felt like this makes sense, that there are some ways that we can begin to press in. Now, for all of these, this is the soft launch. This is the infancy. It will continue to grow and evolve, but we wanted to give you guys a peek as to where we're at. So um, we know that God is calling us into this area of, of homelessness. We know that there are lots of facets of this area that are beyond our skill set. But we also know that there's ways that we can help out. Next one we felt like God's calling us into is foster care. I, I did not expect this, if I'm honest. But time and time again, this issue of child welfare came up over and over and over. There's a disproportionate number of kids who are removed from their homes in the Wrigley neighborhood. And so there's lots of ways. We talked about a lot of ways that you can participate last month in Foster Care Awareness Month. And once again, Grace, God is good. You've had a foster care ministry here for years. You have people who have done this for years. They've been shouted out from stage. We have people like Paula Victor who has walked through this faithfully, who knows how to do this thing. We have people who have adopted out of foster care. We have families who have worked hard so that the kids that were in their home could be reunified over and over again. We have people who have started nonprofits around this out of grace. It's not new. God's reminding us what he's called us to. God's affirming it from our neighbors. This isn't just something we dreamed up on our own. We asked the community, and these are the issues. I wasn't gonna say this, but I'm gonna say this for full disclosure. One of the things that I was nervous about is that um, I didn't want it to seem like I kind of like put my thumb on the scale, so to speak, and like guided where we were going. But here's the reality. Before I started working in full-time vocational ministry, I ran homeless shelters. My wife, helped to lead the foster care ministry at all 10 congregations of our old church. My fear, like the narrative that I was afraid of, was like, oh, well, here come Will and Aaron, and they're just gonna do the things that they wanted to do. And, and I was honest with Beth and with Daniel, with the LPT, and said like, hey, like, I'm kind of nervous about this. Like, I don't want it to just seem like our pet projects. And I'm so thankful Daniel looked at me, and he said, yeah, or... God knew what he would be calling us into, and he brought people that could help. And I was like, gosh, dude, thank you for that. (laughs) 
So, you know, we all need good words from a friend. Um, so here's the first two. The third one is like this more kind of, I don't know, it, it's harder to nail down. The language that we, we're using now is um, community action, maybe community advocacy, something around this. We found a lot of people that had frustrations that would love to like see change in the neighborhood, but they, they have a hard time getting connected with those change agents, right? Business owners that are like, if we could get better streetlights, our businesses wouldn't be vandalized as much. How do we organize? I'm like, I'm not sure, but I'm sure we can figure that out. How, how do we advocate for more funding for our after-school programs so that our kids feel like a little more taken care of? How do we, these questions kept coming up over and over. And so, uh, again, here's the behind the scenes. I'm gonna be fully transparent with you guys. So I hear this, and I think of, of something that, that I've led in the past, and it's called political discipleship groups. Now, here's the other part that I'm just gonna name. I don't think there are many churches in America that did the election well. Okay? Um, as long as I've been alive, I've not seen political conversations in the church get better. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. We wanna get ahead of this, and we wanna serve our community. So these groups that we're gonna be launching in the fall that we're inviting you to join, um, political discipleship groups do a few things. First, uh, they take people from both sides of the aisle who have strong conviction and get them in close proximity with bulletproof vests. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> and the first question they ask is for everyone to share their political autobiography because it turns out we all have a story. It turns out none of us are just like idiots who want to see the country burn. But we actually have like a reason behind why we believe what we believe. And, and then it goes through a biblical theology of public witness. How do we live our faith out in the public square without looking like jerks? How do we faithfully engage in politics? then this is the hardest challenge for me because I love to think about abstract national things that I actually have like no ability to change. And I love to argue about those things. And the challenge that these groups do is say, okay, choose a local issue that you can actually do something about. In a bipartisan way that's informed by your faith, what do you wanna advocate for? And who are the best locally elected officials to talk to about this so that actual change can happen? So that rather than you're so dumb on Facebook, we're saying how do we cha channel those passions to work together for the common good, displaying the love of Jesus Christ in our actual community to actually make a change and not just argue with each other. Anyone interested in that? So next steps. I got a slide. I told you I'm getting fancy. Uh, with homelessness, we are gonna host an interfaith conference put on by the mayor's office on June 22nd. You don't have to take notes. I'm gonna give you a ton of information. Anyone who wants to volunteer to help uh, Steve and the facility teams set up and welcome faith leaders and city officials um, from around our, our community is welcome to come help out. That's a Thursday, June 22nd. That's, that's one thing we're gonna, be do we're gonna be doing. That's the easy way to get involved there. There will be other opportunities as, as we talk about this throughout the summer. What we're gonna do after the service is there's gonna be a table where you can sign up 
to get an email in any one of these areas with the next step. So that's why I say you don't have to take notes. It's, it's fire hose time, right? So just go. You'll see how to sign up at the table in the lobby after the service in any area of interest that you have or all three or two of them. Go for it. Uh, next steps for foster care. The team there has been uh, really getting things up and running. It's been incredible to see God just open doors that we didn't even know about. So if you're interested in forming a wraparound team to help support some of the resource families that are in the process of getting licensed, that's going to be an opportunity. Um, we're looking for different partnerships uh, to help recruit families, um, to help support families' tangible needs. Like, you know, that old spare room that you've been wanting to clean out and get rid of that stuff, like it can actually go to, to good use. Um, not, well, never mind. Um, so, <clears throat> so that's, those are some areas. Uh, wraparound teams um, will have more foster care events and um, uh, potential tangible needs there for foster care. For community advocacy, what we're starting with is political discipleship groups. Those will be coming out in the fall. So when you don't hear anything for a few weeks, remember, they're coming out in the fall. I'm not just being lazy, all right? Um, so we have tangible next steps. This is not just an idea. This is something we believe God is calling us into. Now, here's the deal. Whenever there's a sermon like this, there's the people who already do everything, who feel guilty, like they gotta do more stuff. God already loves you. Seriously. Jesus already loves you. If you never do another thing, Jesus loves you. That's the gospel. For some of us, we're like, yeah, 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 Jesus loves me. That's why I get to watch so much TV. Okay, those people need to hear the challenge of what are you going to do? The people who are doing all this stuff need to hear the challenge of I can rest and trust that God loves me. The people who don't do anything and just know that God loves, yeah. No, he also tells you to do stuff as well, all right? So if you're already overburdened and like anxious every day and don't have enough time for your family, we are not asking you to add more. That would not be good leadership on our end. But if you look at your schedule and think, no, God is calling me to do something. There are things that I fill my time with that I actually don't need to do. Maybe I don't need to binge watch five shows a night. Maybe it can just be three. Maybe I don't need to spend six hours on social media a day. Maybe I don't need to know every stat about my favorite sport. Um, we are asking you to do something. We are asking you to show up. Because here's the deal. This doesn't work if it's just on us. This doesn't work if it's just on the people who are already doing all of the things. We believe we have prayed that God would hear our prayer. People who have gone before us have prayed that God would hear these prayers. That we realize that Long Beach needs Jesus, and we know Jesus, so we're going to make that introduction. These are the ways that we feel like God's calling us to make the introduction, and here's the deal, church. I love the psalm. It says, if, uh, if you don't build it, we labor in vain. Uh, it's a song, establish the work of our hands. I love it. But this idea of like, if God is not in this thing, if God does not continue to be in this thing, it's not gonna work. And so typically we have this rhythm where like one Sunday we'll do bread and cup. The next Sunday we'll like gather together and pray for each other. And, and we are gonna pray for each other, but that's gonna be next. Right now, we're gonna pray for our city. So can you put the three areas back up on the, on the slide. So this is what we're gonna pray for. We're gonna pray for people experiencing homelessness, that as we saw in this passage, Jesus cares that people have a safe place to sleep. We're gonna pray for our unhoused neighbors. 
We're gonna pray for foster care. God says he is a father to the orphan. We're gonna pray that, that people who need help to keep their families together, to reunite their families, that God would hear those prayers. For the social workers that are helping to facilitate this in such a complex system, for the families who are unsure that God may be calling them into this, that have done it for years and years and feel so burnt out that God would give them strength and rest. We're gonna pray for those things and we're gonna pray for this community. We're gonna pray that God would move throughout Wrigley through his people in tangible ways, through real conversations where the gospel is not only talked about but also displayed. So we invite you to, to come uh, partner with the people that are around you, and, and we're gonna spend a few minutes just praying, uh, not for ourselves, but for our city. Let me pray for us, and then we're gonna um, jump into that. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving other people through us. God, it's an honor, and I honestly, we just feel unworthy. I feel unworthy but you call us, you give us your spirit who empowers us. Your word says that you give us the words, your spirit gives us the words when we need them to be a faithful witness to who you are. Lord, you tell us, as the Father has sent you, so do you send your people. And so we receive that call. Embolden us in a time where it's easy to not talk about these things. Lord, give us humility and compassion in a time where it's, it's, it's easy to be arrogant about our faith. In a time when it's easy to engage in culture wars, remind us that you are the prince of peace and you say blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus, in a time when it's, when it's easy to be wishy-washy, help us to be bold like your early church. We need you. We cannot do this. As smart and brilliant and creative and gifted as our people are, Lord, we cannot do this without you. And the good news is you never ask us to do it without you. And so thank you for being with us. Thank you for sending us. Thank you for going before us. Long Beach needs you, Jesus. Thank you for caring about our city more than we do. Help us to love you and help us to love one another better. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, find someone to pray with and, and pray for these things. <laughs>